take your, take your Bible, turn to John chapter 8, and just kind of hold it there, um, hold your finger there. We're going to be all over the place. Lots of verses for you to write down. Uh, this is the third week of the Love Buzz, and I need to give you a couple disclaimers today. Here's the four disclaimers. One, you're going to love some of what I'm about to say. Okay, so take a deep breath and smile. You're going to love some of what I'm about to say. Two, you're going to hate some of what I'm about to say. Um, three, you're going to walk out probably asking questions that I'm not going to answer. And four, I'm totally okay with that. All right? Make sure you understood that. Some of what I'm about to say you're going to love. Some of what I'm about to say uh, maybe not so much. Um, you're going to walk out asking questions that I'm not going to answer. Probably because I'm not smart enough, probably. And then four, I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally okay if you walk out of here today kind of asking questions in your head and we didn't give you the answers. Is that cool? Really tough crowd today. Wow. <clears throat> All right. Good deal. I'm scaring you because I'm wearing my coaching shirt. <clears throat> Apparently, it's what I've heard. It's my coaching shirt. So I'm going to make you run wind sprints if you don't liven up. All right. <laughs> Um, hmm. The reason I say all that is because today we're going to talk about something that um, if, you know, if we really honestly evaluate our lives, we're going to talk about something that we're probably not as good at as we wish we were, okay? So this is um, one of those, remember that sermon we did um, during the study in Ephesians and we just kept saying grace a lot? This is going to be one of those like that, okay? I'm going to say a lot of things. And we're going to hear it, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to hear it too. And, I'm, and we're going to think to ourselves, hmm, I should do that better. And you're going to, and the longer we talk, it's, so, it's going to be so easy for us to start feeling like, God, I suck at being a Christian. But that's not the point at all, okay? The point is, the Bible says a lot about how we should love each other and other people. And so it's in the Bible, so it's true. And sometimes, I don't know how you are, sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm just like, I wish that wasn't there because it makes me feel like I failed. But this cool right because just real quick look around the room nobody ever does that i always say it but nobody ever does it go ahead and look around you're in a room with a bunch of failures and losers so we're all at home right i mean all of us are coming to the cross the same way none of us are perfect some of us are closer to it but you're the only one here that's like that um so let me let me just kind of give you the big idea um let's summarize where we are to this point week one the big idea was this. As a believer, we can't get more of Jesus, but Jesus can get more of us. That was the week we talked about the buzz personally. Me and Jesus, it was all about friendship with God. Phil did a fantastic job. Last week, we talked about um, how when Jesus gets more of me, you will too. It's the buzz privately. So um, me and Jesus and you, right? And so that was all about the family of God. And then this morning... Here's the big idea. It's at the top of your sheet. You can fill this in. Uh, the big idea today is the more we love each other, the more there will be others to love. So the more we love each other, the more there will be others to love. This morning's the buzz publicly. All right? This is the buzz publicly. This week's about, because, um, you know, we're trying to be smart. We have all these F words, right? So, you know, you got friendship with God, family of God. So this morning's all about the fragrance of God. It's a good chance for you to sm see how you smell, right? Go ahead. You've been checking all morning long. Like I see, y'all get all Pentecostal. You're like this. You're like, I'm good, God. I'm good. All right? And then some of you are like, oh, worship like, worship like this today, right? No, don't get, get a certain height. You can't go past. Um, you ever been on a date 
and you start thinking maybe you're not, it's not protecting you like it should, you start to smell something. I've said this the other day, I said to Wendy, um, I, I don't know how y'all are in the morning. Um, maybe I'll wake up a butterscotch breath, but um, we don't because we're human, right? Um, I, just, I said to Wendy, like, I love you, but you smell horrible. And she said, um, I think it's you, babe. <laughs> And, and, it, and it was. It was me. Um, like, that's bad. When your breath is that bad that you breathe out and it boomerangs back and hits you in the face, that's, that's, that's jacked up breath right there. That's terrible. So this morning is, um, hmm, I was way too real, wasn't I, just then? You're like, there's surgery for that, Paul. Um, this morning's all about fragrance. It's kind of how we as a, how we as a family, we're, remember, we're doing the love buzz. We're talking about the, the word ooze, right? Everybody say ooze. Ooze is such a fun word to say. Um, so we're talking about how love oozes out. So first, it is in us. God fills us with his love. That was what Phil talked about, friendship with God. Like me and Jesus, that's this morning is a perfect example. A, a lot of us walked in feeling like we are not doing a good job loving Jesus. We are failing at that, and religion would say to you and I, pack up your bags, go home, church, is, it's terrible, and Jesus doesn't work, because we've been so accustomed to trying to make it happen, but when you're friends with Jesus, he just kind of slips alongside you, puts his arm around you, and says, it's going to be okay, I love you. Oh, that feels good, right? All the pressure's off. We can do laundry, and he still thinks we're awesome. So we have that. That's personal. And then the buzz privately. What happens when you're at home? Who do you love first? When you're really full of love, who gets that first? The people that are closest to you. That's Wendy, Parker, Will, Sydney, and Bella, right? And sometimes Bella loves back. We put a, a video yesterday on Facebook of Sydney loving Bella. I'm like, do you love Sydney? And Bella just like put her head back and gave Sydney a hug. Can dogs do that? Absolutely. If you force them to, it's fantastic. That's the family. They get it first. So here, we, this is the family, right? Um, I know you didn't pick your family. I get it. And some of the people that are in here, I love you. Like, the longer you're at church, you start seeing, okay, they always sit there, and they always sit there. Why is that? They don't like each other, right? It's like we, we're coexisting in a family. And sometimes that happens. You ever go on a family vacation? Aren't you glad to get home and go to your room? Yeah, right. It's like, I love you a little less than when we left, Right? That didn't work out well. I'm really worn out. I'm glad you didn't throw you over the boat, over the side of the boat, on the cruise. Not that that's ever even crossed my mind. I'm just saying. So the family gets the love first. It oozes from me out onto my family. And then if it oozes out onto my family, this morning we're talking about how it goes from privately to publicly. It's going to ooze out from us onto the city, right? That's what we're talking about this morning. Personal, private, public. It's the inside-out order that always defines the plan of God for taking over the world. Do you know that God wants to take over the world? He wants to take over the world. He has a plan to do it. It's always from the inside out. It's the perfect plan because God created each one of us with a natural desire to be loved. I want you to get that. A loving God creates people who are made to be loved. That's perfect, isn't it? Like, how smart is God? That'd be like you and I having an entire warehouse full of Carolina Panthers merchandise 
and being able to create an entire race of people who love the Carolina Panthers. We would be the wealthiest people around, wouldn't we? We wouldn't have to sell it hard. We'd just be like, hey, you want some Panther stuff? Yes! And they would take it, and they'd buy more and more and more. God's like that. He created this entire humanity who needs to be loved, wants to be loved, and he's a God who loves. Fantastic. What a great plan. The problem is we've messed it all up. We start looking for love from everyone and everything except the God who wants to give it. And it gets us in all kinds of messes. This is why country music is so popular. Right? Because, and I'm not making fun of country music. The reason country music is so popular is because country music tells stories. Have you noticed that? They tell stories. Now, I don't do a lot of country music. I've sang a country music song once in my life at a wedding. It'll probably never happen again. I tried. It's fantastic. Never got asked. What's up with that? Wow. I don't remember. I've, I've had counseling to forget. But country music's popular because we want to make fun of it because it's all about like, you know, women that leave and drinking beer and all that stuff. But you know what? It's a story. It's what it is. And so people that write country music, they write these stories that people that are living and breathing, they listen to it and go, I don't really like country music, but like I, I get that. If you've ever had, like, teenagers that are driving, suddenly you relate to Jesus, take the wheel. Right? See how that works? <laughs> like, that's a real cheesy song, but, like, I get it. Please, Jesus, take the wheel. That's what, and so it's, their story, we can relate to that. And the reason we can relate to that is because whether we want to admit it or not, we screw love up. Right? You don't have to even believe in Jesus. You just have to read the newspaper, watch TV, Listen to the popular songs, and you have to agree with me that we as a humanity, we screw love up. We don't do it well. And we were made to do it well, and we don't do it well, which is why we need Jesus. God's plan is for each one of us to be so full of his love that it just begins to ooze out. Have you ever gone to McDonald's and ordered a chocolate milkshake? Back before it was like it is now. Now, chocolate milkshakes at McDonald's are vanilla ice cream with some chocolate syrup, barely even stirred up, so it still looks vanilla, right? Are you sure this is chocolate? But back when they like, had chocolate ice cream, they would fill that cup up, and it would get so full, they would take the lid and they would put it on top, and what would happen? Just all ooze out the top, around the sides. And like as a grown man, I love chocolate milkshakes so much that when it oozes out, I'm like at the counter going, <laughs> I'm cutting my tongue on the plastic trying to get up under there and get all that stuff because it's good. That's the plan of God. He wants you to so ooze the love of Jesus out of you that people around you start going, dude, that looks good. I mean, we don't want people to come up and lick you, right? That would be awkward. Oh my God, we need to, this is, like, this is like evangelism 101, you do not want people to lick you. Okay. Okay. Are you with me? Are we, okay. Channel, Matt, channel, are you tracking with me here, right? I mean, this is, you don't want people to lick you. I'm like, Jesus loves you. Oh, that's not what you're looking for, right? So once we start to ooze like that, it oozes out of us onto the family first and extends to people who aren't in the family but want to be. So here's what we're going to do. This morning we're going to look at love. 
specifically four things that love does um, that will help us kind of be a part of this crazy plan that we're calling the love buzz. Here's the first thing that love does. Love attracts. And yes, I'm just letting you know, all these words are going to start with A, and I'm very proud of that. Okay? They're all going to start with A, and you feel free to choose and try to guess which ones I'm going to use. Love attracts. So for better or for worse, love attracts attention, right? Sometimes it's really, really sweet. It's the elderly couple in the park holding hands. And you're like, oh, that's so sweet. Sometimes it's disgusting. It's the teenage couple in the park making out on the bench, right? And you just want to slap them. What are you doing? Like, we can actually see what you're doing, right? But whatever it is, I know I've told the story about Wendy, you know, being helping her mom with a wedding. And when they were all, like, it was all over, and they're working hard, and they're playing the songs, and people were dancing. And Wendy said her dad, who never does this, walked over to her mom and said, would you like to dance? And Wendy said in that moment, she stopped what she was doing. And she just couldn't stop watching her dad and her mom dance. So what, good or bad, Love attracts attention. There's something about it that's kind of like, whoa, stop everything. The, 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 the videos that go viral on the internet, as cheesy as they are, man, when they involve, you know, this boy really loves this girl, and you won't believe what happens next. You click it. You just want to see what he's going to do. Love attracts. Jesus knew this. So, he reminded his followers that there was no better evangelism program than simple, heartfelt love in the family. John 13, 35, just jot that down. We use this verse a lot. He said this to his disciples. Look, they're going to know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another, which is really formal language for you can teach all the doctrine that you want. You can do everything you want. You can be the most fundamentally correct church but if you can't love one another, nobody's buying what you're selling. It's the love you have for each other that proves that you're my disciples. Something about the way that we <laughs> love each other is supposed to make people on the outside look at us and go, I don't even want to believe in Jesus, but something about how they love each other makes me, I can't deny it. Something's going on in that place. Love attracts Listen, that truth is so profound that most people use the lack of love in church as the reason why they don't attend church. Have you ever invited somebody to come to church with you? And they say, uh, no. Like, why not? Well, I went to church once, and a fight broke out. It's like being at a hockey match. The elder was all red and red-faced and Maddie's yelling at this person or they'll say my dad was like a board member at a church and they railroaded him they say they're Christians but they're really not that church is full of hypocrites that's what you'll hear right and what they're really saying is they're preaching something that they're not living and so the very fact that we don't appear to love each other makes people not want to be a part of it that's just that's the negative of what Jesus is saying here so the great news is we have this great opportunity right like really go just nuts for each other, love each other like crazy. And Jesus said if we do that, the rest of the world would kind of go, what's oozing out of that place? I want to see what's going on there. Love attracts. It attracts attention. When it does, we get to take that attention and point people to Jesus because we know that we would never have loved anybody without him loving us first. Jot down 1 John 4.19. It says this, we love because... He first loved us. We talked about that last week. 
that we were actually created to pass along what's been given to us. So if somebody compliments you, you're probably going to compliment somebody else. So love attracts. Here's the second one. Love accepts. Um, let's talk about weddings, and then we'll talk about real stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Here's what Paul writes to the people in the Corinth church, the Corinthians church. You've heard this at every wedding you've ever been to. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, he says this, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Dang! Here's the context of that. Paul's writing to these people in Corinth who are in church, but they are prideful. They're all about social status. They don't let others go first. So whenever they have communion, they, get, they go first and get the most food. They had have, have these, these things called love feasts, and the people who could get there, they would eat all that they could, and there wouldn't be enough food for the people who couldn't get there fast enough. This is the kind of church that if you invite somebody to come to, they would go, I am not going to the Corinthian church. Why not? Dude, I think that place is full of hypocrites. And Paul writes these words to that church. There's not a single thing I just read. There's not any one of those that's an emotion. You don't feel like doing any of those things. These are all choices. These are all commands. These are all actions. Not one of those descriptions is something that we'll feel like doing every single time. Which you already know, right? Because you've had small children. Do you feel patient? No. Sometimes we act patient even though we don't feel patient. Sometimes we just pray that God would help us to act patient so that we don't kill them right away. Help me to count to ten, God. Slower. Please, slower. If you could sum up what I just read in a phrase, it would be this. Love accepts. Love accepts. And, and let me just, I'll, I'll do the hard work for you, okay? It's risky. I'm giving you permission to, to hear that and start to ask yourself, what? Like when it says always protects, always trusts, always hopes, Always perseveres like, does God not know the people in my life? Because I've been protecting, and I'm tired of protecting. I'm just giving you permission to hear those words and kind of in your head go, what? There's no way. There's no way I can pull that off. Um, so let's get out of theory. Um, Peter did the same thing. With forgiveness, you can just um, write down Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Peter asked Jesus one time, like, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? Because here's the thing. I want you to understand this. This is how humans are. God loves us without limit. And so the first thing we do is try to figure out where the limit is to how much we should love. You see how that works? He loves us without limit. Like, he accepts you just like you are. But we start to figure out, okay, but how far, when do I get to put the limit, right, to how far I'll accept somebody? That's a hard thing to do. Peter did the same thing, like, okay, I get it, God, you forgave me, so how many times do I forgive somebody else? Like seven times, right? 
And Jesus said, no, seven times 70, which is basically God's way, Jesus' way of saying, always. Always. So here we are talking about love. Surely love can't accept everything. And, and I want you to know, love doesn't accept everything, but you'll see in just a minute, it accepts everyone. John chapter 8. I told you to put your finger there. Here's what's going on there. First, if, you're, if you've got your Bible, you turn to John chapter 8, um, real quick Bible lesson. You've got a note that says that in the earliest manuscripts, that was not part of the Bible. Um, so you can read that and go, what? And the fact I'm even bringing it up is going to confuse you probably. But I didn't want to talk, start talking about this section. And you start reading that going, but this isn't even in the Bible. What does that mean? I'm so confused. So here's the deal. In the very earliest manuscripts of the Bible, this story was not included. Later, it started showing up. And so people start, you know, as always, church people start fighting. Like, should it be in the Bible? Should it not be in the Bible? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, even here's the thing. Even the people that think it shouldn't have been in the Bible will, will, will write that this was a true story, that this really actually happened. And so later on it became part of the Bible because nothing in here is inconsistent with the character of Jesus and nothing in here is inconsistent with any of the message in the Bible. Okay? So here's what happens in John chapter 8. There's this woman having adultery. She's, she's caught in adultery. It, the Bible says she's caught in the very act of adultery. Do we need to have pictures so you know what that is? Okay, good. So she's caught in the very act of adultery, and so the religious people do their job. They grab her up in the act, which would have been very awkward to me, it seems, and they bring her out, and they throw her down in front of Jesus, and they say to Jesus, basically, what do you think we should do? Because the law says we should kill her. So here's a woman who deserves to be killed. So they bring her along with their stones to stone her. Because the Bible says, back in the Old Testament, in their law, if a woman's caught in adultery, she should be stoned. Ironically, the Bible also talks about men being stoned, but they didn't bring him, probably because he was a Pharisee. Just saying. So you got a woman who's naked in front of Jesus. She's thrown down in the dirt. She's got nothing to cloak, cover herself with because there's no way people that mean are going to give her anything to cover herself with. And they say to Jesus, what do you want us to do? Trying to trap Jesus. And the Bible says, actually in John chapter 8, that they're trying to accuse Jesus. Verse 6 says they were looking for some way to accuse Jesus. So they accuse this woman so that they can accuse Jesus. And here's something I want you to understand. Religion always accuses. Religion will always accuse you. Like right now, some of you are sitting here going... You feel accused because you don't feel like you measure up. I'm not good enough. He's a better Christian than I am. I didn't read my Bible enough this week. I didn't pray enough this week. Religion always accuses, but love always accepts. Do you understand the difference? So here's a woman who's being accused, and she's thrown down naked in front of the best man she'll ever meet. And this is the picture. This is where we are in John chapter 8. Jesus doesn't condemn the woman even though, in fact, she was guilty because love accepts. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves. You already asked it. How far do we go to accept people? How far do I go to accept people? Here's the answer. You go farther than religion, farther than expected, and farther than is comfortable. That's your answer. How far do I go to accept people? You go farther than religion goes. You go farther than they expect you to go, and you go farther than it's comfortable for you to go. Third thing that love does, love assures. You're going to get this right away. Like if you're here, you're about to fall asleep, you don't even love Jesus, you just showed up because somebody's going to buy you lunch. You're going to get this right away. 
all of us have people in our lives that when things really go bad in our lives, we start to think in our heads, if I can just get to, if I can just call, if I can just, for me when I was growing up, and I used to get these awful earaches. I went to Boy Scout camp one time, and like 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up screaming bloody murder. I don't know how you do with earaches. I don't do good with earaches, right? It's like earaches, if I got one right now, I would go from a grown man to like this puddle on the floor, like call, mama, mama, like just rocking back and forth, right? I mean, but I kept thinking, if I can just get to my mom. And it was just something magical about mom. I don't know what it is, but like if I got to mom and she like put her arms around me and held me close, my ear is still killing me, but I just feel like I'm going to be okay. Maybe for you it's a best friend, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a mentor. I don't know who it is, but I guarantee you that in your life you have somebody when things go to hell in a handbasket, they're on speed dial. And you're making the call. And just hearing their voice makes it better. Because love assures us. There's assurance in being loved unconditionally. I love the way that this story in John 8 wraps up. Here's the beautiful words of Jesus to a woman who deserves death. He says this, Has no one condemned you? Neither do I. I love that. <laughs> so hypothetically speaking, right? If you're naked this morning, I'm looking to make sure. If you're caught at your very worst, and you're thrown in front of Jesus, if we could take the time this morning to call you up one by one, have you stand right here, I would be first in line, have you stand right here, and we would show not your highlight reel, but your low light reel. This is what you did last night when nobody was watching. This is what you did this past week when nobody heard you in the car. These are the things that you thought, but you never would dare say out loud, but got recorded somehow on this big universal recorder that God has, right? And we call you up one at a time, and we start, we stand right here, just stand here, you'll be cool, just stand here, and we show your low light reel. I mean, there's, you can't get out the door fast enough. You can't feel more condemned. I mean, some of you right now are having a panic attack just thinking that I might do it. Because I know, because I, I used to have panic attacks. So if I'm sitting where you are, and the preacher says that, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sure he's joking, but like I'm starting to live it in my head already. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't want them to see that. This woman is like as exposed as you can possibly be. Deserving death. Like they've got her dead to rights. I'm sure in her head she's thinking, I wish the dude was here, but I don't know where he is, but I'm going to die today. And to hear Jesus say, where are those that condemn you? And she's kind of like looking at the dirt. And she's just seeing one other pair of feet. And there used to be a ton of pairs of feet here. Now we're angry feet, shuffling around, all mad. Cause you know how religious people get, all mad, shuffling around. And she doesn't hear no shuffling anymore. She just hears drop, 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 just stones hitting the ground, people walking away. And there's like all these rocks around and just one pair of feet. And it's Jesus. And I, I mean, at what point is she thinking, what is going on here? And to hear this man say, I don't condemn you either. Now, does that mess your brain up? That messes with my brain. Not because I don't want to hear that, because I do, right? Like, I'd be standing here, and if I heard Jesus say, after my low light reel, hey, Paul, where are they that condemn you? I'm like, uh, 
I don't know. Well, neither do I. I love that, right? How many of us love that? Raise your hand. It's crowd participation time, right? We love that. What messes with my mind is that if he does that for me, when I shuffle away, he's going to bring in somebody who hurt me and stand in there as well. And he's going to play their low light reel. And if I'm really, really honest, I'm sitting in the front row and I'm watching their low light reel and I'm like, that's right. That's exactly what he did to me. And Jesus is going to get him good. <laughs> but what do I do when I hear Jesus say to the person who hurt me, I don't condemn you either. See, that's, what, that's what the part of the sermon that we're not going to like. Because all of us have people who have hurt us. All of us have people who we have accepted over and over, and we have assured over and over, and they still hurt us. I don't know how far you go with that. Those are the things you get to sit and wrestle with Jesus about. But I can tell you this, that he didn't just let that woman go. He let you go as well and me go. And here are the verses that prove it. Jeremiah 31, 3, I mentioned it earlier. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. God said, after calling us to be holy in our lives, said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. God. Hello. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. We won't read the whole passage, but basically here's what happens. Paul writes down every possible thing that could separate us from God. And he wraps it all up by saying, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. So love attracts, love accepts, love assures, and the last thing love does is love alters. And this is the part where we're going to start wondering about how long we're supposed to be, be loving unlovable people. So if I could um, just have the conversation that you're having with me right now in your head, here are the things that you're thinking. If you only knew how bad he is, if you only knew my spouse, if you were married to my spouse, if you had my job and my boss, those are the things that we're all thinking right now. It's because we lose sight of this one powerful attribute of love. Love alters. Love makes people and situations better. It changes us individually. Here in John, I want you to get this. Jesus loved this woman enough when he told her that he didn't condemn her. What was the last thing he said to this woman? Go and, like he said the S word. Jesus said the S word. Not the S word that you and I usually think about saying, but he said the S word. He said go and sin no more. He looked at this woman and he actually called what she did sin. So I don't know how Jesus pulls that off. We're not the best at that, but somehow Jesus is able to like love us and tell us the truth all at the same time. Oh, here's the way I wrote it. Jesus loved her without excuse and without excusing. He loved her without any excuse. He was like, I just love this woman. I'm nuts about this woman. Yes, she's naked, all that stuff, and, and she's in sin, but I love her. But he didn't excuse the sin that she'd committed. It's the nature of God to leave us better. Romans 2.4 says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's the nature of God to love us in a way that makes us better. Um, and love doesn't only alter us personally and privately, it alters us publicly as well. We talked about John 13, 35 earlier. Um, as we love each other, that love attracts others. They see how we accept anyone. They see that our love is assured with no strings attached. And that kind of love begins to alter this city. I would love to see Albemarle changed by that kind of love. How cool would that be? 
for our city to come face to face with a love like that. The early church, they were the first ones to experience the love buzz. Um, there's a historian, his name is Tertullian. There's a name that I wish would make a comeback, don't you? If you get pregnant and have a child, he's a boy, please, I'm begging you, name him Tert Tertullian. We'll call him Tert for short, which in the South will turn into turd, I know, but whatever. <laughs> Tertullian wrote these words. He said he couldn't get over how often the Romans would say this exact sentence. I'm quoting. They would say this about the Christians. See how they love each other. Like these are powerful people in the Roman Empire describing the church. And they would say, see how they love each other. When a plague swept through the world in the third century and, and killed a lot of people, it was the Christians who took care of people who were infected by the plague. They took care of not only their own, but they took care of their enemies who were infected by the plague. Not only that, but the pagans at that time, if somebody in their family got this plague and they were dying, you know what the pagans would do? Literally throw their, their family, their children, their spouse out their house. They would throw them to the curb. So that they would not be infected and die. And do you know who would pick up those family members and care for them? Three guesses. First two don't count. Go. The Christians. The Christians would pick up people who were persecuting them. And take care of them at the risk of actually contracting the same plague that that person had. It was that kind of love that won over a pagan world. Back in the day of the early church, women, children, and slaves had no voice. Who gave them a voice? The church. Because the church valued them. Because people like Paul wrote things like, In Christ there is no slave nor free man. There is no female nor male. The, the church valued those people. Something about the love of Christ filled people's hearts in the church and it started to ooze out. And then ooze out more. And, then, and it was like the love buzz. It just took over. In a time when there were very few organized missionary or evangelism programs, the church grew like wildfire. All for one reason. They just, they were loved by Jesus. And they loved each other. And it just oozed out. So let's wrap it up. This is the part where you're going to hate me. But this is too theory, right? We've got to, we've got to make this practical. I've got, to, I've got to teach it to you, but I've got to ask you, here's what I want you to do with it, okay? I want you to do this. I want you to just go out and love people. Like that's your assignment, right? Just go out and love people. The problem is we don't, have, we don't, know, how to, we don't know how to do that. So here's what you're going to have to do. I'm going to give you a, a three-answer multiple-choice test right now. Okay? You have, to, you have to answer this honestly. So your homework is to wrestle with this, and then your homework is to go this week to two people that love you and know you and ask them to answer the question for you. Okay? <laughs> you're going to go to two people that love you enough to tell you the truth, and you're going to ask them this question about you, and they're going to answer it. And you're not going to punch them in the throat. Right? You're just going to be chill. You're going to listen. Okay? 
I want you to ask them this question because here's why it's a little diagnostic tool. You know what diagnostic tools do, right? They diagnose. Diagnostic tools, the reason why when your car, your, your engine light comes on, you don't go to the mechanic first because he's going to, I mean, I love mechanics, no, but they're going to charge you a lot. Where do you go first? You go to advanced auto parts because they'll hook it up to a, a machine for free and tell you what might be wrong. Then you take it to the mechanic and you go like, uh, yeah, it's the Flubbermeister goober. <laughs> like, really? If, if, he, if, he, if he's a kind mechanic, he plays along with you. Yes, that's exactly what it is, and we have that part in stock. <laughs> but a diagnostic tool just helps you see where the problem is, okay? So I'm giving you a one-question diagnostic test because if, if we want to not play games here, what I've just preached, what I've just taught you, if we were already living that, this room would be packed. I mean, I'm not saying it to make you feel bad because I'm the preacher here. But if we were living that, our lives would be packed. We, we would tell stories like this, and, and help me, I hope I get this right. Wendy's reading a book called The Jesus-Hearted Woman. It's one of those books that men can't read because it's hard to look manly reading The Jesus-Hearted Woman, Right? But it's got this great story, and here's what, she, here's what she tells. The woman that writes about it, she talks about going on a retreat with um, ladies. And at the retreat, they're you know, doing whatever women do on retreats. But usually on a woman's retreat, there's time to go shopping and you know, get your hair done, your nails, whatever women do on retreats. I don't know. They don't watch sports. But when it came time to do that, instead of giving them that kind of free time, here's what they did. They split the women up into groups of five, and they gave every woman five $1 bills. And they just gave them this, these instructions. They said, we want you to take the time that you would normally have for free time. And we want you to, to take these five $1 bills that each of you have. You can pull them together in your groups, which would give you like $25. You can add money to it if you want to. But all we want you to do is take some time right here to pray and ask God to lead and guide you. And then go out into this city. It was not a city that they were from. And when you see somebody that needs something, just bless them. That's your assignment. And then when you get done, we'll come back tonight and we'll talk about it. And, then I'll, and she's like, then I'll teach you again and we'll go home. So one of the stories is this group goes out and they walk into this soap shop. It smells like soap and they start having this conversation with the owner. And she's kind of like, you know, I'm so busy and I'm not, you know, I never get to do what I want to do. And I'm like, what do you like to do? And she said, I just, you know, I just love to relax. I take, I just, if I could just take a bubble bath. And so they're like, <laughs> you know, like women, whatever. So they walk out, right? And then they come back a few minutes later, they got this basket of like everything you would ever need to take a bubble bath, and they give it to the woman. She's like, what is this? And they're like, just on us, go take a bath. <laughs> it was written so much better than that, but I like the way I said it, right? I mean, a lot of people from a lot of countries watch our videos, but let's just pray that this one woman who wrote the book doesn't watch it, right? And that's a cool story, but here's the best story. Talk about a, a, one of the groups that saw a maintenance man who was trying to find change to buy a drink. And so they walked up and they said, hey, we got it. Well, let me just get it on, on us. And so they put the money in, they bought him a drink, and they start having this conversation. And he's talking about, you know, how they're, he's kind of having a rough time financially, but he's really excited because he's, um, he's going to get baptized that Sunday with his daughter at, at their church. He just started going to his church, and they're going to get baptized and they're like, that's really cool. You know, they can encourage them and bond the drink and all that kind of stuff. And prayed with them and went on their merry way. 
Um, another group went into the grocery store, and, and they just felt like they were supposed to go in the grocery store. They felt like God said, go in the grocery store, and when you get in there, you're going to see all these people, and, it's, and you know, just kind of watch, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of lead you to the person I want you to help buy groceries. And they really felt like it was going to be like a, a single mom, you know, and like a daughter or just a mom shopping with her kids. Um, and so they were just kind of watching. They said it was a little bit awkward because they were kind of like stalking people while they grocery shop, you know, like, hey, that's a good selection of milk. You know, it's fantastic. Um, so they saw this woman with a small child, and they went up, and they... They gave, they gave them the money, helped them buy their groceries. And while they were talking, um, the girl was all excited and was talking about how that Sunday she was getting baptized with her dad at church. So you can imagine, right, when they came back to church that night and everybody's buzzing about what God used them to do, that these two groups in a city where they're not from actually had the same encounter with the same family and realized that a dad who needed money was going home to a mom, a wife, and a daughter who just had people buy their groceries talking about how these crazy people that just love people gave us money. The love buzz. Now, let me say it again. If we were really doing what we just talked about, maybe this place would be fuller I kind of think it would be. But I guarantee that our lives would be fuller of stories like that. Because that's the way the love buzz works. You don't have to try harder. You just have to love more. And how do we love people more? We get loved by Jesus more. So here's your diagnostic test. Answer this question. Not out loud. When it comes to loving others, are you a user, an abuser, or an oozer? Let me explain what I mean. If you're a user, you take more than you give because you're empty. Because if you're empty, you can't give, right? So before you start to feel really condemned, let's just state the obvious. If you're empty, you cannot give. If you drive a car like, like we just had this thing called gasoline roulette, like, you know, when that light comes on, how much farther can I go? Right? It's like if you're empty all the time, you cannot give away. So sometimes people are users because they just want to be. Most people are users because they can't help but be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you a user? If you're a user, you take more than you give because you're empty. And I want you to hear me. The end result of that is that you will be lonely because you will wear people out. They will see you coming and go, ooh, i got to get away from that person. They're going to take something from me. And some people, that's all they can do when it comes to, to trying to love other people. All they can do is just use them. All right. We're going to go from really bad to progressively better. Hold on. Are you an abuser? I want to make sure I explain this because I don't mean you're hitting people, right? If you're an abuser, then you give until you're empty because you're prideful. Let me explain what I mean. You really do, in your heart, mean to love people. You want to give away. But you give until you're empty because no one else can love like I can. No one else can care for that person like I can. Um, it's funny that we're a week after Mother's Day. We talked about this a little bit last week. Kind of like the martyr syndrome. Do you know people like that? 
No, no, I will lay down my life. And then they lay down their life, not literally, but then they always tell you how they lay down their life. And, they, and what happens? The end result of that is you tend to get offended because no one's ever good enough and no one notices what you did. After all I've done for you, I have worked myself to the bone for you, and this is what you give me. That's an abuser. Because though you might have meant to do good, the end result is, man, you just abuse that person, and they're never going to want to be around you. And, and listen, I, I have to be honest, that's the church in a lot of people's minds. In a lot of people's minds, that's the church. We abuse people, not we, but they think that the church abuses them. I've been a part of churches like that. I have worked myself to the bone for you. I have volunteered countless hours for you. And after all that, this is how you repay me? Man, when you give until you're empty, you cannot help but abuse. Are you a user? Are you an abuser? Or are you an oozer? And here's what I mean by an oozer. You give more than you ever could because you're full. And the end result of that is you tend to be content in all circumstances. You know why? And I, want you to, I really want you to get this, okay? You never miss the overflow. Because we tend to think, cause, here's why we think, we think about the pie. Here's why we think about the pie, because we all get a paycheck, right? We all get a paycheck, and it's worth whatever's on, on that check. And so when we see it, we go, I've only got so much, and so I need to, and if you're smart, you've got to budget that out. Make sure you don't overspend here, because you've got to have enough to do this over here. But listen, the love of God does not have to be budgeted. Do you see that? Like, the love, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He just pours and pours and pours love into us. It never has to be budgeted. It is an endless supply. And so if I'm always being filled with the love of God, guess what's always coming out of me? The love, you're expecting something really theological there, but just the love of God, right? Like, if I overeat crab legs and throw up, you're going to see. You're welcome. All right, so if I'm always full of the love of God, it's what's always oozing out of me. I can't help it. I don't have to try harder. It just happens. Go back to last week. We're almost done. I just want to make sure you get this. It's the reason why if I get a raise, I told us to this Wendy last night, if I get a raise, if I get a raise, sorry, I'm just messing with him. All right, let's go back to other times when I wasn't the boss, right? If I could just get a raise, when I would get raises, and I'm sure you've, had, you've gotten raises before, have you ever noticed how like when you get a raise, no, you've never had a raise, if you've never had a raise, we're praying for you, okay, everybody needs to experience for once in their life getting called into an office and being given a raise, no matter how big or how small, but here's what happens in my life, and maybe this is a sickness, I don't know, but I'm just, this is who I am, every time I've gotten a raise, first thing out of my mouth when I get home to Wendy, Let's go out every single time. Let's go, and we're not going to McDonald's, baby. Oh, no. Outback special and without a gift card. <laughs> right? Because you're overflowing. I don't have to try hard on the way home in the car. I'm not rehearsing how I'm going to ask her. 
There's not a three-point outline to get it across. I just walk in and go, Outback, baby! Let's go! I'm doing laundry. I don't care! You look beautiful. Let's just get out of here. Grab the kids, or don't, but let's go to Outback. (laughs) Because you're filled to overflowing. Now, if I got called in to an office and they said, we're going to cut your salary, and I've had that happen. I've had that happen. So I'm, I'm living this stuff. I've had it happen where I've given and given and given. And the response I got back was, we love you, but we're going to have to cut your salary in half. And when you're making 20 grand a year and they cut it in half, there's not a lot left. And when my first response on the inside is, are you kidding me? Like after everything I've given to you, I have poured out all of my 23 years of experience on this church. And this is what you're giving me back? When those discussions happened, guess what I did not say to Wendy when I got home? Let's go out. I said, let's sell stuff. Like the oodles and noodles, that's going to be our life for the next six months. Because when you are empty, you cannot give out. But when you are full, I want you to get this. Religion tries to script generosity. Man, when you're in love with Jesus and he fills you with love, you don't have to script anything. You just, it just pours out of you. And I mean, I'm just looking around the room. I know some of us are just not in that place. We're just not. We're not in the place where we're so full of the love of Jesus. It's just pouring out of us. You can see now why new believers make the best evangelists. When somebody first starts following Jesus, they make the best evangelists. Do you know why? Because they're so full of two things. One, the love of Jesus, and two, awareness that they never deserved it. But typically, I can't speak for you, I can only speak for me, typically the longer that I serve Jesus, the more I start thinking, I was probably worth saving. There was some good in me, and he saw it, and he thinks I'm all that. Well, yeah, he's nuts about me, but I didn't deserve to be saved. We lose sight of that. We get full of ourselves and not full of the love of God. And I don't know how you are, but when I'm full of myself, I can only give so much away, and it's gone. So, you're going to ask yourself, am I a user, am I an abuser, or am I an oozer? And I wish I could have cameras to record you when you use those words with somebody else. Uh, I just need to ask you a quick question, sir. You've been married to me for a long time now. Would you say that as somebody who gives out love, I'm an abuser, a user, or an oozer? Uh, what was that last one again? <laughs> you know, just an oozer, just like, love just pours out of me. Your spouse is like, oh, absolutely, that's you. Yes, every single day of the week except the seven that we have. <laughs> so let me encourage you with this, and we'll be, we'll be done. If you diagnose yourself and you come up short, I probably shouldn't even say if, should I? When we diagnose ourselves and we all come up short, 
the response to that is called repentance. It's that, it's that horrible word that churches have used like a cuss word, and it's not really. It's just a matter of saying to God, I'm sorry, I blew it. I'm not loving like this. And, and, the, and the answer is not to try to love harder. The answer is just to simply say to Jesus, I need to remember your love to me. And once you do that, it's like you got a raise, and you'll be like, let's go to Outback. It's just natural. It just happens. And the more that we love each other like that, people will want to find out what's happening here. Two, two good stories real quick, and then we'll pray and get out of here. Yesterday at field day at Park I mean, Friday at Park Ridge's field day, I got to have a conversation with somebody. And I get these conversations all the time. I just want to share them with you when I hear them, because these are really cool. Somebody walks in, and he's like, they never ask me. So how's it going at the church? These people that don't attend our church, they always come up, and they, this is what they say to me. Man, things are, I mean, you're killing it at the gathering. And I'm always a little taken back. Like, what do you say to that, right? I used to go, no, 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 really, we just suck. And then they're like, oh, sorry. So I've quit doing that. That's a bad approach, right? False humility is horrible. So now I just say, God, we are. God's amazing. Like in spite of me, in spite of the people that sit in these chairs, Jesus is faithful. And it's crazy what God's doing. I mean, this week I got to tell somebody on Facebook, I, I, mean, I miss you. I miss you. I miss you because you're not here. And I miss you because God's doing such amazing things in our church, and I'm sad that you're not a part of it. Because I want people to be here and experience this. And sometimes, as church people, we get so into it, we become such a, an, a user and an abuser. We give because we think we're supposed to give till we're empty, and we get so tired. We lose sight of the great things that God is doing. I don't even know who this was. I just, I just heard, I heard the story, and I'm just going to share it because I think it's fantastic. Last week, we gave, we gave offerings to single moms. Um, fantastic. What a great way to spend Mother's Day. And here's, I, I love, you know, someday we'll get to hear stories like, you know, somebody gave me a car. That'd be cool, right? But we're not there yet. But I got this story this week about how a mom was here a couple weeks ago, and she put the last $26 in the offering that she had. 26, that's an odd number, right? Weird. Ironically, last week when she walked out and counted the money that you gave her, she had $260. It's 10 times. It's pretty cool. So right about now you're doing the math, right? So if I give a 50 today, <laughs> maybe give it and see. Who knows? I just want you to know Man, God's doing some pretty cool stuff in this place. And the reason he's doing it in here is because a lot of us, I can say for me, I, I don't want to do church better. I just want to be loved by Jesus more. And I want, I want that love to ooze out of me. And I hope that when you're around me, outside of the fact that you'll say stuff like, cool coaches shirt, I hope that when, you're, when you leave from being around me, I hope that the words can come out of your mouth, man, that, that dude is nuts about Jesus. Like, I'm just around him and I'm happier. Not because I'm always happy, but because I'm always full of Jesus. I want to I always ooze like that. And when we collectively ooze on each other like that, 
It attracts people. What is going Are they giving away cash? What are they doing? I've got to go see what's happening there. Because every time I see somebody from the gathering, I hear something else that God's doing. And that's what the guy told me at field day. He said, what's funny is, if anything ever goes bad at the gathering, I'll be the one to tell you. Because that's the kind of people that I'm around. And he said, they come into my store all the time. And they tell me all the bad stuff about everybody and everybody else's business and every church and whatever. He said, I never hear anything bad. I wanted to say you're not talking to the right people. Right? Because <laughs> we're people. So like there's people in the room, there's going to be bad stuff sometimes. But that's an outsider who doesn't attend here, may never attend here. And that's his perception of what God's doing through you in this place. The love buzz. The more that we love each other like that, the more that there will be others to love. That's how the love buzz works.